pushing the boundaries of expectations, rewriting the rules of adventure are the reasons we get up in the morning. We share your hunger for a life without limits. Greetings and welcome back to your Kinetically Podcast for manifesting your abundant life. So glad to have all you guys back with us today. Hey, if you'd like to receive an encouraging text message, just text the word Kinetic to 844-844-0049 and you're in the lineup. StephenCanyon.com is the website. Follow us on Instagram at Stephen Canyon and also... Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss one. Hello, Miss Maggie. Hello. Top of the morning. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, this has, been a, this has been quite an exercise in getting it back in gear. Four days off. It was a long weekend. By the way, um, my apologies, KBs, if, if, well, not if. I know I failed to mention that we had a longer weekend than usual because of Labor Day. Yes. So. I think we um, forgot, though, until... It happened. So. In hindsight, uh, we, we will not be podcasting yesterday. So, <laughs> And actually, if you are living in the moment, there is no past. Everything is now, so I can oh, take Lord. a pass. Good Lord. <laughs> right. This always seems to work out for you. Well, it's kind of funny. You know, four days off, and it is, we were just laughing, is like a cannonball into the deep end of an icy, cold pool. Ready, jump. Here we go. Um, mm-hmm. All bets are on and off. Well, it's momentum's a real right, thing. So, you know, we're still having the momentum of a lazy, <laughs> of a lazy Labor Day weekend. Have you noticed how fast children seem to be growing up? Yes, I feel like sometimes they're they're maturing beyond me. Well, there was a, a duck race, and. <laughs> <laughs> It was sort of epic. Well, with the little, the little, the little inflatable rubber ducks, duckies. rubber duck race in the river in downtown Breckenridge, Colorado, over the weekend for Labor Day. I guess yeah. it's for Labor Day. Labor Day uh, rubber duck race. Yes, kind of goes hand in hand. But the number of kids, uh, so Hundreds. many, ch- and they're all like the same age, four years old, I guess. Yeah. But walking around, poised in, in you know how you. How you'll see the the uh, aristocratic uh, British walking with the hands behind the back, taking in the scenery. That's <laughs> true. Well, the three and four year olds are walking around like they've got it all figured out, hands behind the back, and just <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it just seems like it's totally different than when I was. I never had my hands behind my back when I was when I was four, much less now. But I, I felt like I still had hope because every now and then you know, you'd see a little boy walk by just chopping every tree with his plastic sword. So yeah, the boy, <laughs> they're not too serious. The boys will do that, but uh, it, it really is. Kids are just seem so different now and they seem so much more aware. They are. And they seem to be dressing more adult as well. Have you noticed that? They mm-hmm. they don't wear so many kids clothes. They look like little, little adults. But, I think it's cute. But now that's the parents. You know, the kids aren't going, they're not shop well maybe they are maybe they're on amazon and picking out the latest greatest but i think that has a lot to do yeah. with the parenting i love the kids it was love, so fun and all the dogs the dogs everybody's got a dog on a leash but us it was one of the most beautiful and weekends it was amazing the children and the dogs what else do you need right babies and puppies mm, oh yes. my wow well, anyway, I love it. speaking of cannonball, jumping right in, yeah. I did want to say that we are now living in a post-quantum world where theories have scientifically identified this great big universe that we are living in that is absolutely <laughs> imbued with all of this infinite intelligence that I think is gravitating toward the young. They got it figured out, yes. and it, it's just becoming them, which is a beautiful thing to watch. Well, I saw something the other day. These children, uh, they start their day in school every single morning, and the teacher, she was standing there, she holds up a mirror, and every child walks up to the mirror, and they are affirming who they are. They're doing all these I am affirmations. Beautiful. And, I mean, the, the level of evolution that's going to happen doing that from childhood i just i can't wait to see the results well nothing is by accident i think that's part of the awakening yeah and so that next the next 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 generation wow stand back stand back get out of the way well we have actually received quite a few requests over the years for children's products you know kinetic believe children's book um, or children's affirmation cards. And so I, I think that's in the future. At in the some works, point. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, evidence that the universe had a designer for the design, for the small children, for the dogs, the puppies, the, the galaxies, the planets, all of that. 
has, it's only debatable, debatable by the spiritually and scientifically uninformed now, especially in this post-quantum world that we've found ourselves um, emerging from. Mm. And we were discussing this not long ago. We are so enriched with with wonderful friends from all walks of life, but in particular, we've got a couple of friends who are particle physicists. And uh, one one of them retired young, got out of the industry, and actually he said that it was the discovery of the God particle giving form to matter according to dictates of universal designer or the pre-Big Bang bias that, um, you know, the belief of that, the evidence of, of bias before the Big Bang, the evidence of a creator for all things created, scientifically speaking now, not just in terms of spirituality, but scientifically speaking, the evidence being there, and that it's no longer just a, a theoretical conversation, but the evidence is there, was not what he signed up for. And he told us at breakfast, he and his wife there, he said, that's it. Got out of it. Didn't, didn't want to have anything to do with it. Evidence of a creator went against his faith in no creator. So he quit. He gave it up. I love that you said, uh, he's like, this is not what I signed up for when not, I became a physicist. Not at all. Having my belief system checked. Yeah. So he, he started digging around and found something in the sandbox that he didn't fully expect to be there. And so our other friend, um, who lives down in Orlando, Florida, we were just visiting with, specializes in waveform physics or particles of light and worked for NASA. And so he's flying high with all of this enthusiasm in the post-quantum world of infinite intelligence. So a closed mind is a mind that's made up within itself regardless of your occupation, regardless of your walk in life, wherever you are. Mm. A closed mind is just made up. That's it. This is the way I determine things to be. Mm. Remember that your journey of discovery will be a threat to the border bullies. Uh, and if you are open-minded enough to continue the journey, but without that open-mindedness, then you are going to be operating within the, the uh, constructs of a very rigidly defined reality. But if you are brave enough and bold enough to ignore the border bullies, then you are on your way of discovering a truth that will set you free. How do we access kinetic belief in a way where we are leaving our preconceived narrative at the door so that we're not polluting all of these new truths that we're going to discover? Well, accessing kinetic belief is just simply, you know, being of the mindset that, you know what, regardless of the way of the empirical form of the world around me, I'm open-minded. I, I believe that I don't know everything that there is to know. Mm. Because, look, one who's not given to exploration grows weary and becomes fatigued by the any kind of a pursuit of truth. Even our particle physicist friend grew weary of pursuing a, a truth that could exist outside of what he was prepared to believe. Mm. And so, uh, like, and, and by the way, he would tell you the same thing that I'm telling you, so I'm not, and I'm not going to use his name anyway. But um, so it's no secret. But it, people like this, you look for a safe harbor, a place that you can feel comfortable, a place to hang your hat. Mm -hmm. And what happens is they they can see where their hat is hanging, and there's no mystery to that. And so they measure the parameters of the harbor, and they can say, well, it's you know. Uh, these are the dimensions of the harbor, and they can say, well, this is it. This is all there is, and what I don't know, what I can't see, well, all of that is just dead to me. I don't have to worry about what's dead to me, right? Mm -hmm. And so by holding on to this sense of openness um, instead of that and being open to discovery as a way of life, this is a person who can find all truth and where it is where it's to be found is in is within themselves 
but you have to be willing to go there and see. Well, and that was the perfect culmination there, that discovery has to be a way of life. Because if we predefine everything and we have to uh, sort of always arrive at this same destination, then all of the unknowns, I mean, those are going to be predetermined as well. And the chances of getting that right are are pretty minuscule. The idea that if you, you have to have this preconceived outcome, but you have all of these unknowns that lead up to it. I mean, the idea that those are just going to fit perfectly is it's impossible. Right. Well, fit perfectly within truth, right? Because if you have a limited amount of expectations, and if you predefine your existence, then you really have very little room for what you would subjectively believe to be true. And so you're small little you got three puzzle pieces that fit together and you throw your arms up and say, well, I'm done. That's enough for me. I don't want to play this game beyond what I can see. I like how this is helping us develop an awareness of not necessarily limitations, but just how our minds, our bodies, and our existence is actually working. Because we've all heard the the uh, idea that we're only using 10% of our brain. And so of all the things to trust, you know, I don't think I want to trust this fraction of my brain to understand the cosmos and how everything works. Well, and, and <laughs> when you really trust, what is trust? What, what does that even mean? Trust is to say that I, I want more. Or I'm going to trust less. I want to trust in what I don't know is you're starting to work in the mm-hmm. area of faith, mm-hmm. uh, trusting in what you can't cannot see by believing there is more to existence than what can be seen. So here we have this, this truth, which actually echoes what saints and sages have taught in every tradition of insight. Mm-hmm. And actually, this is what Jesus demonstrated, isn't it? I mean, he said, this is the uh, this is this is the end of the road for quantum researchers that are looking for intelligence beyond the stars, and the beginning of the uh, what what I love to say the off road adventure. I mean, this is where things get exciting. This is where you really can begin experiencing experiencing things that you've not experienced before. Who you know. I don't understand anybody that doesn't want to do that naturally, but a lot of people don't. But it's the off-road adventure that is the path of self-examination for individual truth, which only a person of enlightenment can follow to get to destination light, love, purpose, and relationship. I almost feel like you're telling us that the... excuse me, that the actual presence of the unknown in our life is a wonderful sign. It's something that we can point to and say, I'm doing this right. And I'm infusing my life with discovery, which is exactly how it's supposed to be. If you think you have everything figured out, you know, you've you've got something coming. There's always it's the gift package, you know. It's yeah. it's the unopened present, yeah. because and like you're saying though, Meg, without the pursuit of one's discovery of their truth the wisdom of their purpose, their genius, the why to life, which, you know, my earliest memory was, why the heck am I here? What is what is this all about, little redheaded Mark <laughs> Allen? What are we doing here? Yeah. You know, without all of that, a person becomes desensitized to the meaning of life. Yes. Uh, you stick your head in the sand. And um, for that person, really, in the words of Freddie Mercury, nothing really matters. <laughs> Well, Speaking of sages. <laughs> what, what an existence, right? Yes. But this is where so many unique, perfectly extravagant human beings go off track to an end of, of futility. Mm. In other words, they attempt to fill the void left vacant by value, uh, self-worth, purpose, wisdom, and truth, all of those things just by seizing upon the instant gratification of pleasure, mm. for example, to avoid the loneliness of the lie. A, a dishonest life, which is what you end up with without truth, it just produces a lifetime of, of immense experiential um, episodes of going from one painful thing to another mm-hmm. painful thing. Wow. And so when a person tries to validate their um, – Minuscule existence, they create a story from the ego that's identifying it through the, of the judgments of the negative existence that has become them. And so they create a story that says something like, well, that's just me. This is who I am. 
and life for this person becomes painful. And the, the stress, worry, doubt, and all of the fears of being discovered to be a fake become very numbing to joy, interrupted to uh, authentic peace, and really the, the beginning of the end of any kind of true optimistic happiness for this person. Wow, I find that the journey you're describing for me personally, and I would imagine that this is universal, that it has such a real power in the momentum. So if you find yourself sort of having to restart this discovery mindset, it's very difficult um, to, to do it from zero and then try to ratchet up to 100. But if you're doing it as a way of life, you, it's so wonderful how you get to build on yourself and build on that momentum. You know, we started the podcast by talking about the, the slowed momentum through the Labor Day weekend. We're sort of feeling it and we have to, okay, let's generate this energy again. And that's kind of the same thing with this discovery lifestyle. Well, you discover because until you discover the lifestyle of your authentic being, the truth of who you really are, you're in an identity crisis. Mm. And for the person who has looked within and seen the truth and then uh, decides that, you know what, I'm going to turn away from it, you actually begin to harden yourself through experiential knowledge of uh, the inferior self, the lower, the lower self. Mm. And you enter into a round-robin way of treating the symptoms of the identity crisis, the self-indulgent seeker of pleasure, who, who could never fill the void, by the way, left vacant by the absence of truth, which you're denying, a truth denier, uh, since pleasure, pleasure that is sought out as a substitute, it, which is just, just a substitute, fabricated substitute, and the hurt caused by all of the stories that the ego is telling itself, really, uh, is just one and the same. Any kind of substitute that comes maybe from addiction, um, addiction to anger, addiction to drugs, alcohol, anything, uh, it's, it's the same thing as just the, the hurt that you're trying to put a Band-Aid on. One is just masking the other. I always love when you talk about something that is really a fruit of, of motivations and inspiration. Because, for example, take pleasure. That's, a, that's such a powerful example because you can have the same pleasure outcome. Um, but the motive, if the motivation is, like you're saying, that instant gratification, that's going to be so detrimental to you and your existence as opposed to it being the, the fruit of, of a self-confident uh, and, and a kinetic believer's lifestyle that's ending with the pleasure. And I just think fruit is such a a fascinating way to look at these two lifestyles. Well, it is because it it goes directly to the root, doesn't it? Yeah. And it is natural to the human condition to want to be happy, to want to live, to want to flourish and to grow. And the issue, the issue is not knowing how to do that. And when I say not knowing how, the reason that that is a a juncture of decision and and an obstacle for many is because we're actually created with a choice mm-hmm. to. To choose how. And so a person that's choosing to check out a life in some strange way does so because they believe it will bring happiness. The person who says, I'm not going to rest in what I know. I want to adventure beyond my comfort zone, my comfort level, is a person that wants to be happy. Both of them are going in two different directions based on two different choices. But once a person knows where to look, where to set the, their gaze for exploration, once they determine the mission that's within them, the truth of their authentic identity, their awareness of, of self becomes the lens for living life. And then they begin to see through the substances of fear and the futility of hopes that have been um, put on hold. And like we were saying the other day, just, you know, any kind of hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come because you've deferred this moment into a present a, a present. Uh, not from you, you defer the present tense moment off into the future, yes. and the future never comes. And so this, this uh, 
uh, delayed uh, happiness eventually just makes a person uh, tired and sick and, and disgusted. I love how you walked us through something you were calling the choice, because it is a choice that we have, and it's sort of never-ending, because it's always with us in the present moment. And I think we all know that to choose to do the right thing is obviously going to have a right outcome, and it's going to have a positive, feel-good outcome. But something about this that's so powerful to me is learning to trust the process of being a kinetic believer as a lifestyle because before you're a kinetic believer you do the right thing and all it feels is hard (laughs) it just feels very difficult and you and you're not even guaranteed that the outcome is going to be beneficial to you or even feel good but as a kinetic believer Knowing that if you do the right thing in truth, in your truth, in every single moment of your life, the outcome is a guarantee. It's a beautiful guarantee. And I love being able to trust that. And that's that's one of the best things about being a KB. Well, without knowing, there's no knowledge. And where there's no knowledge, people perish. And people perish because they can't trust what they don't know. And so you're in this little circle here, Mm -hmm. just not knowing what to choose, knowing what to do, knowing what direction to go in. And peace, just take peace, for example. Peace emerges from within. We can't organize the, the without to, to give us peace that comes from within. Mm-hmm. And so life is as it's meant to be when it's in the proper condition of, of peace and happiness and joy, all those things coming from within, all those things blossoms from beyond the thinking mind, which is trying to reason with determining what the proper choice should be for me to make. Mm. The effort of the will, trying to will myself to be happy and joyous and prosper and all these things. The, the working mind cannot produce the kind of things we're talking about. Is it really this simple? Absolutely it is. But <laughs> your truth is all that you're ever going to need in order to be liberated from the battle of identities. Freedom from destruction is to inhabit your higher self, higher consciousness. And um, But it always goes back fundamentally to it's going to be your choice. I feel like the process you're describing is really about getting into the eternal flow of higher consciousness, which sort of trickles down and, and I don't want to say fixes everything, but it illuminates everything. It gives you it gives you the equipment and the awareness to to change your life and to mold it into something that, that your heart is desiring. And so I just love how everything you're describing, it does not feel like like hard, grueling grit your teeth work. It feels like this is the natural way. We're getting into the natural original flow of existence. The the grueling thing is to try to fix things because higher consciousness fixes nothing. It casts all broken things down to not to Mm. to be of no consequence or existence. You know, I was having breakfast with my physicist friend that we're talking about, which by the way, again, he would tell you it's all the same things that I've been saying. And I'm not going to use his name. But when we talk about, we were talking about unconditional love, and I brought it up with him, and and acceptance of self and acceptance of others, he emphatically had a problem with it. He wasn't willing to go beyond a level of consciousness that was um, conditional. Conditional for himself, conditional with all other uh, sentient life form. And, and this is one of the first states of being that a new kinetic believer transcends to above the judgments, above the judgments of the ego in themselves and in all other human beings. And it's an inner awareness of the truth of life source within all life, absent the negative reasonings of an ego that directs the attention of all sentient life to the essence of life, Mm. not what life has identified with. And so the person who looks within to be the present moment in the present moment of self, absent the restrictions of the egoic reasonings, cannot be held captive by those thoughts of failure anymore. And the key that unlocks every single door of worry, doubt, and fear is 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 this it's it's changing your your lens and changing your perspective for all of life and rising above the noise of the world that was so profound the way that you described this tethering that occurs when we're in unconditional love or out of it but that you cannot 
hold one truth for yourself and not hold it for all other life forms. And I think that's so powerful because I like the idea. I love the idea that we're connected, that we're threaded together, all of us. And so you cannot unconditionally love someone else if you're not loving yourself in the same way and and vice versa. And that's such a beautiful thing to remember, but also powerful, you know, being aware and and, and conjuring that awareness mm-hmm. of, the, of the ripple effect. I am, therefore I am. And well, what am I? And I am love and happiness, joy, peace, and all those good positive qualities. If I'm not that, then neither are you, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. So unconditional love begins with self. And then to see that um, higher essence of being within me is to see it within others. To judge myself in that way is to judge you in the same way, regardless of how you act, regardless of how I act. The way that I act, the way that I talk, and the way that I conduct myself, if I'm being ugly, that doesn't, that's <laughs> not the authentic person that I am. I am just outside of source. I'm outside of alignment. And so are you. And so this transcends the perspective of the ego's natural state of being. Any person that views all of life through the lens of unconditional love and the boundless willingness for gratitude in all things attracts the abundant life, attracts the fullest measure of the truth within. And that is the truth that sets a person free from the fear of any type of failure. I'm always wondering about there are, there are many times that something can can pop into life and that is that's usually how it happens right it's like a jack in the box mm-hmm. <laughs> scenario it just sort of pops in um, but I'm always amazed at how when it's when it's a certain maybe a negative truth that's trying to show up or a negative opportunity or a relationship it's so easy to slide down that slope of negativity and you've left behind all this beautiful, uh, work and and achievement that you've accomplished as a kinetic believer, and I'm wondering in these moments, how can we prevent against that to make sure that we're not gripped by those those uh, contrary ideas that are showing up? Well, any idea that presents itself as a negative, uh, recognize that it's not a truth. Mm. There, it is. It's a false identity. There is no nothing eternally true that's negative. If it's negative, it cannot be true. We are, excuse me, we are metaphysical, spiritual beings having a natural experience. Here in the, the land of the living, you will find many negative constructs that are not eternal. We didn't bring them in with us when we dropped into this realm, and we're not going to take those with us. So they're not true. They're fabricated. So here we are, immersed within a realm which presents us with two choices now. One is eternally true, which is positive, and one is um, limited and is negative. And we can live by what we see, and we can live by the negative things we hear. We can live by the constructs of the ego that's developing all these negative stories, which are very limited. In They are on the linear line of time, they have a beginning and an end that we can choose to say, hey, that's my story, and I'm going to run with that for a few more years until I move on into the eternal essence of love. Or we can make the choice to live our lives by kinetic belief in the the substance of our faith and the good things that we're looking for and hoping for, looking within for the truth of, of light and e- eternal love. This is such a powerful representation of what truth actually is to us as kinetic believers, because we have to make sure, according to what you're telling us today, we have to make sure that we are fully convinced of the truth that we're going to need to cling to when something contrary shows up. And I really love that because it puts pressure on us to make sure that we believe what we believe and we know why we believe it. (laughs) And there's no um, negative bias in our mind where we have this, you know, you talked about this final outcome that we try to make everything fit into. Mm -hmm. But I just love that you're presenting truth to us as almost like a life preserver. You know, you need to make sure you know how to use it because you will need it. And if, if you're not using it correctly, it will, it, it will serve no purpose. Well, anytime you start to try to reason with truth, you're going to lose the argument because reasonings will talk you out of it rather than into it. Mm. Uh, reasonings will never convince you of anything. And so to, to trust in what you cannot see requires a sense of faith and a belief that, you know what, I am willing to 
adhere to and rely upon my truth in positivity and life and freedom as my article of faith. And so I am convinced by my willingness and because this is the most exciting part of the truth that sets anybody free. It is not by the works of your genius. It's it's your and, and it's not by a, a person's abilities alone that manifest best dreams and imaginations. It wow. is trust in the work of light and love, which is beyond our ability, which takes the pressure off. If I had to rely on my ability alone, well, I'd go ahead and and uh, turn the lights off and sit down. But to attract healing and wealth and joy, happiness, peace, and the abundance of anything that I can think of or imagine from light and from love beyond myself, sign me up. Because the biggest part of me is not me. The instigator, the instigator of me is me. And through the power of my kinetic belief, you see, the universe now, which is the storehouse for my extravagance, releases the abundance of what God, who is the author and finisher of unconditional love, first imagined for every single spiritual human being having a natural experience to be able to thoroughly and completely enjoy. But the joy that abundant life produces is enjoyed. It's it's comes from within. It attracts and it manifests from within. So we look there to find it in its abundance. A phrase that you said just a moment ago really stuck with me there was the truth of our willingness. And that made me think about journaling, because obviously journaling is is powerful for maintaining that blueprint, maintaining that vision to move forward. But it's also so powerful to remember, to remember when you you put your belief to work and everything was showing up and your present moment was transformed. And so I love this idea that we have to make sure that we're building up our belief and building up our trust. But then, you know, when when you've accomplished these these huge spiritual feats, and that's exactly what they are, we have to be able to remember those and and be able to stand that that builds up our truth you know because when you it's like baby truth when you first start there's nothing that you there's no historical reference for you that's a great point maggie because the the key that unlocks the manifesting power of that truth is the fact that the opposition of our truth uh doesn't go away right and it's going to remain there so this has to be a way of life well how do we make it a way of life and it's through journaling our highest expectations to remain in the truth of higher consciousness so that we can transcend above egoic reasonings, which requires the discipline of a routine, something like journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, kinetic belief is a way of life. It's, it's not just one and done, but yes. n- neither is failure. Failure is not just one and done. Failure, sickness, poverty, lack, despair regret, all those things, they would cease to exist if the belief for those things ended. They wouldn't, they wouldn't hang around anymore because the, the, manif- the, the power, the force that's manifesting and attracting things into existence is coming from within every single human being. The power of belief attracts the substance of what's being believed for, both negative and positive. And the reality of the lower self can only manifest where there is a believer. This is so powerful because I was thinking, and we were talking about this recently, how everything that is natural in the world, the default, it's diminishing us. It's making us seem smaller than we really are, less powerful than we really are, almost animalistic, anti-spiritual. And so... We have to have a go-to. There has Mm -hmm. to be a place, a source of information, a source of blueprint, a source of Mm -hmm. vision that we can even look to because it really doesn't exist anywhere else. Right. Well, you know, there were a lot of people that wanted to manifest life in the exact same way that they saw Jesus doing what he was doing. They were being, you know, they they saw this, here this man among them walking around. He's healing people. He's uh, attracting, he's manifesting food. He's manifesting money. He's giving it to the poor. He's doing all these miraculous things. 
And so people were inspired. They wanted what mm-hmm. he was doing. And he went about demonstrating the power of immovable kinetic belief is what he was doing, which in scientific terms, that's exactly what it is. It's kinetic. It's the energetics of a kinetic belief or the substance of belief that is immovable. It's immutable. It does not change regardless of the size of a storm or the doubt uh, that's around it or fear. In fact, if you read about some of the accounts of the things he was doing, before he would go in and heal somebody, he would make sure that anybody with disbelief or fear was removed from there. No one that feared what he was doing could be around because the energetics of the fear would would uh, uh, be tangling with the energetics of faith. And so knowing that, he removed all of the opposing uh uh, fear that would have interfered with with the miracles that he was creating. What would you say to the person listening? And they're they're listen they're they're receiving everything you're saying, and they're in total agreement. But they're thinking, I've been trying to build my faith, but the negativity that already is pre existing in my life it's really outrunning, it's outpacing this faith and this belief that I'm trying to build. What can that person do in that situation to you know flip the script and flip that power structure of belief? Well, you're gonna have to change what you're watching, change what you're looking at, change how you're defining yourself by the by what you're looking around and empowering through your belief. There were enormous crowds of people that were watching Jesus manifest healing and food and and even money to pay taxes, money to, like I said, to distribute to other people. They saw him manifesting miracles. And and I love what he told his followers to do. He told them to do the same thing he'd been doing. In other words, do what they saw him doing. Imagine themselves to be doing what they saw him doing. Use the ego as a tool to identify with the works that they saw him doing in the manner and the way that they saw him doing it. And he said, keep on listening to me like I listened to my father. He said, I'll keep giving you his words and then you'll know the truth. And he said that that truth will make you just as free as I am, the very thing that we're talking about. So think about that for just a minute. And let if you're struggling with... You know, the fear of not having enough money to pay your bills or whatever it is you're up against right now. Think about it for just a moment. Let the reality of of this hit you. The unconditional love of God is the word of freedom. Continuing in that truth, which is life source, is exactly what Jesus said made him free. And continuing in that truth, which is your genius of purpose, is what will make you free, unencumbered from identifying with any kind of form of failure. Wow. And so every single human being, and and this is true whether you know it you know whether you know it or not. Some things are true whether you know it or not. <laughs> are already free from lack, you're already free from sickness, you're already free from the failure of any kind. But for a lot of people, they're like a a horse that's standing out in a field where there used to be a closed gate. And the gate's been removed. But the horse is not aware of its freedom, and it just keeps standing there because it feels confined by its imagination. Well, a person steps out of the truth of their freedom the very minute that they believe the lie of the ego that's identifying with stories that it's been told or even that it's telling. And so as a result, what happens? Well, you just masquerade going around from from your daily activities in life, identifying with labels, identifying with judgments, and what you choose to identify, that is what becomes you. That is how the law of attraction works. Whatever you're identifying with becomes you. You attract the substance of that. It changes circumstances. It changes you physically, mentally, changes your life, changes the people that know and love you. It changes everything about you. And the very moment that you believe your higher truth, which is positive, when you align with higher consciousness, and when you stop identifying with all of the false labels, the freedom of your original creation begins to rise to the surface from within your spirit, and you align with that to become one with higher consciousness. What would you say that the ultimate goal is for pursuing 
not just kinetic belief, but everything that we're discussing, because I think the the default many times you feel as though the goal is to get comfortable. The goal in life is to reach a, a place where you can exist without anything sort of pressing on you, any huge problems constantly popping up. And I've, I've heard and even read from some of the books you, you've been mentioning recently, actually, that, you know, being comfortable can be a huge debt. A detriment to your journey and being un- uncomfortable can actually be quite powerful. So I'm wondering, you know, what is our end goal here? Um, and even is, is, is there one? Comfort has an irony to it in that the ego identifies with comfort is just to lay down and die. And your, your higher state of being is an eternal existence, which will never lay down and die. So there's a, a, a contradiction in terms. Mm. And most people haven't begun to comprehend the kind of freedom that they've been given in their truth, the kind of life experience that manifests when a person lives beyond the ego and in the fullness of their truth. Right. Even, even though the law of attraction will manifest an abundance of evidence of a life that's flourishing, there are a lot of people who will not ever experience it, not in this lifetime. But to anyone that will humble themselves enough to be honest— the truth will reveal the abundance of their inner purpose. Honest to ask questions of itself in, in, in with the desire to really know the answer. And I'm saying that you, am I saying that you should deny or ignore the natural facts and circumstances of your life? Not at all. What I'm saying is that if you want to see miracles, which are nothing more than the manifestations of the substance of your highest belief, Stop believing the egoic mental constructs of imaginations that tell you stories Mm. about the past and the future that do not exist. Believe life. Believe life from the highest viewpoints. And the present tense moment of your uh, highest expectations will begin to flourish. They do what they're supposed to. They sends down. It'll send down the roots of your the highest form of you, which will then begin to uh, flourish out the expression of what you were designed to become and designed to be. And it's it's the mental constructs of of facts that we're talking about, which are just based in reasonings, which tr- will twist your uh, inner truth that really. The, the constructs of facts like that that you see in the empirical world around you are neither truths or lies. They're twisted. And they're just simply temporary conditions that are a person's adhering to, to say, well, this is what I, I'm living by this as an example of what I believe to be true. And things like emotions and feelings that are justified by the, by the fables of labels and identifiers that validates somebody's thinking. And that's all happening through the double-mindedness of reasonings, which are continually morphing and changing. And, and uh, truth is what consciousness says about your conditions. Lies are what fearful thoughts say about them uh, and, and the conditions of your life. So if believing the truth about uh, if believing the truth of what love, joy, happiness, and peace, prosperity, long life, says about the conditions and circumstances of your life, if that will make you free from failure, then continuing in the lies that the ego identifies with and thinks about will keep you bound to the mental constructs of failure. That's why, you know, Meg, the opposite of life, which is death, is experienced daily. And it's experienced by attracting circumstances that align with the things that a person worries about, what somebody is doubting and, and fearing. Those, all those things are the default conversations of the egoic imaginings. And that banter, as I don't have to tell anybody, it's incessant. And it just, it just keeps firing off one suggestion after another. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. These thought forms that continually serve just to validate your fears, to convince you that you need to be afraid. Lies are the deceitful weapons of terror that threaten and intimidate you. They are the prison bars that lock people up in sickness and in poverty. 
But the revelation of the truth of unconditional love, that is what sets anybody free to begin attracting and manifesting whatever they can think of or imagine. You know, we've all heard the ego mind uh, get busy with the reinvention of imaginations. We've all done that. So, for example, when when sickness attacks and symptoms show up and you've got a you've got a scratchy throat and and you feel a little feverish and the ego starts with all these reasonings. It'll say things like, well, well, you know, uh Maggie, you may as well just go back to bed. You're not going to get healed this time. <laughs> Haven't you heard the news? It's it's now your turn to be sick. Oh, you believe in God? Well, then I'm sure you must know that God wants you to use it to to, to teach you a, a lesson that you'll never forget. So be sick. That's the ego. Yeah. Reasoning with you. Or, you know, not... To pick on you. You never think anything like that. It is funny, though, because that reminds me when I was early on as a kinetic believer, I remember I was talking to a coworker about kinetic belief and they understood it, you know, at least my attachment to it. And it's funny that one day she made the observation. She said, you know, I can always tell when you don't feel good. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, well, you always look really nice. <laughs> she said, <laughs> yes, you take, she opposite. said, you have more makeup on. You've obviously spent more time getting ready. And that was so true. I was, it's, it, it's funny to think back and remember that. But anytime I wouldn't feel good, I would amp everything up. All of my feel good actions, I would start attaching to my belief that I did, that I did feel good. Well, that's because as a kinetic believer, you know, you've got authority and you have dominion. You've got the final authority. Yes. And it's according. It's going to be according to what you say. And so you would deal with it accordingly. And you haven't been sick in years <laughs> as a result of that. But in, in the same way that when somebody runs into financial needs, they're having financial hard time. Mm. The default of egoic reasonings will say something like, well, the money you need isn't going to come in time. Now, you know that. You're never going to find a better job. You've always been poor. Hey, you came from a poor family. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay. You, you're you going to always be poor. Oh, you believe in the light and you believe in love. And, well, you believe you have a creator. That's okay. Poverty's just God's way of keeping you humble. And, hey, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. That's the egoic reasoning with a person who's in lack to convince you that it's okay to believe in that, to believe that lack is going to be your way of living. That's how the mental constructs of identifying with the ego works. And when somebody is in trouble, Maggie, and they want to get out of trouble, the ego will then just misdirect that person's belief by reasoning and then... The thinking mind will say something like, well, you're not going to get out of this situation. God's not going to help you out this time because this is your fault. You got yourself into this mess, and you have and you have to get what you deserve. Don't you know that that's the way this whole thing works? If you put out bad stuff, you're going to get bad stuff in return. This is how God teaches you a lesson, so uh, bear it and live with it. That's all of that's ego. And in order to transcend above all, all of that noise, and that's where you belong, in order to transcend above all of that, all of those lies, and that's what they are, a kinetic believer begins to have this relationship with the immutable truth of the light of love, which does not attract and manifest what people deserve, only what people believe. A mantra that you gave me early on, and I've carried it with me ever since, and I still use it to this day, is that that may be the fact but it's not my truth. And that is something I have repeated to myself endlessly when these situations show up, present an opportunity for me to, to adhere to them because it ignites that memory and that awareness that I have to live by my truth and not all of these you know, facts that love to show up and try to redirect you. Truth is eternal and facts are not. In yeah. the same way that the law of attraction doesn't respond to need, for example, it only responds to belief. Yeah. The love of God doesn't respond to needs, it only responds to faith. And as profound as all of that is, Every person alive has the capacity for the profound. Everyone does. And what could be more profound than the truth of the essence of your higher being? To do your best isn't enough because your best isn't as good as you can be. You see, it's, it's a 
relationship that we're talking about. You have to push yourself past what you believe to be your best. Your best is not your part. Your part is to believe for your best. <laughs> and that's it. And that's where, that's where we find what we need in this life. That's where you'll find the meaning that sustains you in life. And, and you find all of the patterns of the habitual actions of our, our truth that not only redeem us from the destruction of worrying and doubting and, and being afraid, but the awakening that happens within us to higher consciousness, to become one with the source of life. Mm-hmm. Nietzsche said, that you could tell much about a man's character by how much truth he could tolerate. <laughs> and so we've got a lot of is. people checking their character through this podcast every day. I'm sure of that. But when you think about what Nietzsche said there, it's, it's actually very interesting. There is, there's an idea in, in the great Western tradition that the truth is the way and the path of life, and that no one comes to the Father except through the truth. And that's true in that you cannot manifest who you are without seeing your truth. And so not only is it metaphorically true, but it is literally true. And the pathway to who you could be, if you were perfectly who you are, is the truth. And so the truth is what sets you free. Mm. But now the issue with most truth deniers is that the light of their truth it, it it destroys everything that doesn't have original value in you as it sets you free. And that can be a process of burning. And it's painful because a person clings to what they should not be, partly out of the pride of the ego and mostly out of ignorance. And for, well, for a lot of people, it's out of nothing more than laziness. And so for a lot of people, when they encounter something true from from within, let's say, well, it's a punch to the gut, so to speak. It's an effort to, um, well, it's, it's, it's an affront to the false life that they've been experiencing up until now. And so here they are, and they believe that if, if I'm going to follow this truth, well, it's going to cost me something that most people are just not willing to pay the price of. And adjustment uh, to truth isn't always easy. Awakening to higher consciousness is a process, and I of one that I am very grateful for that it is a, a process and is not just dumped on you all at once. Mm-hmm. It's good that it comes in measures um, that you can be willing to accept, because if transcending happened just all at once, it, it would it would just probably blow you off the face of the earth. <laughs> I mean, just a few months ago, Maggie, you and I, we were involved in some meditation together, some insightful truths that we were both through our conversations and meditation that we became enlightened with. I mean, this this was powerful truth that we collectively, we got it together, like so many other things, but we came to this understanding and we had to... Well, we had to even comfort each other for a couple of days. You held me. You held me in your arms and told me it would be okay. Yes. But we were we were delightfully stunned mm-hmm. by the revelation knowledge because it's not easy to go through a metamorphic sentient change, but you do it, and the payoff is always more than worth the price of giving up some of your egoic reasonings. I feel like a really good companion teaching to what you're talking about would be. I know you've done some really in depth podcasts on getting rid of labels and forms because if you, you if we can preemptively do that it seems like it's going to go a long way toward not making this process so painful because when you do burn something off through truth it's always something that you something weird it's something weird that we've attached ourselves to some strange little <laughs> identity that we don't want to let go of but that's not really us and so it's going to have to be sacrificed comes back to willingness right yeah. you get up every day and say i'm willing to grow I am willing to awaken. I'm willing to be transformed and and through that transformation process to become more of what I am already am mm. in the original state of my being. So knowing that, I am willing to cast down some imaginations and some negative high reasonings that have redefined me into something that I'm not. Because it's often when we look back at our life and we think, yes, that's when I really learned something. 
that I think that I want to do that again. I want to go through the process again because it means that I'm really changing my life. And I mean, sometimes it can really destroy what you falsely believed was you. And that should be a, a good thing, but it's not if you're not willing. And when there's an encounter with the truth, there is, there is a burning off of the lie. And the part of you that was destroyed, it well, it, it never really recovers as your authentic truth holistically takes its place to expand you and to become you and to create something more. I really love how you're describing and making us aware of the true, the reality, the reality of, of this process of enlightenment and becoming aware because you can't just wildly, ferociously pursue awareness 24-7. You know, it does come in sort of these packets and these pockets of energy. And just like you were saying, you know, we we went through this intensive meditation process, and then we just sort of collapsed (laughs) into each other. (laughs) Like, man, my mind, my spirit needs a minute to absorb all of this. And then, but then we're ready to go again. But I think a lot of times... We are told, and it's a lie, that you're supposed to sort of be pursuing this 24-7, go, 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 no rest, no breaks. But this is a, a really beautifully evolving journey, and it morphs, and it, it's, it's, it's energized, and then there's rest, and that's, what, that's just so appropriate. Well, the, and when it's becoming you, that's out of your own ability. Your ability is to say, you know what, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to go through the process. Yeah. But then, on the other side, it is all always worth it. You've got more bounce in your step. You're more healthy. You are awakened. Colors are brighter. The birds sing louder. And all that stuff is very, very true. Because the process of awakening, it, it isn't the ego changing to become something else. A lot of what you identified with, like we're saying, that just that the stuff has to burn away. Mm-hmm. Everything about you that is not worthy of who you were created to be, worthy of your genius, those imaginings that are not authentically true, is to be put into the flames of no return. And that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. And so you move on from there, and you, you're feeling good about things, and you're still willing to transform to become more, and you're open to it, and it happens. And, and that's another reason to be not so casual, by the way, about claiming what you believe to be true. Yeah. Because it isn't something that you undertake without due caution. If it's negative in any way, shape, or form, cast it down because it's not your truth. It will not survive the test of eternity. And I... I actually learned many, many years ago that almost, well, almost everything that I said was in one form or another aligned with, uh, it, it just was not my truth. It wasn't aligned with the wisdom of my genius of purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I, you know, the things I would say were dishonest. They were types of lies that were manifold. They were slighted attempts to well, to either impress or to win arguments or just to enhance my storytelling. And perhaps it was just from the uh, pleasure of engaging with other people, whatever it was. If the lens for interacting with yourself or others, if it is construed from the ego, which identifies with the false narrative, you're communicating lies as a way of life. You, it's not, you're not living a life of truth. You're in between your your twisted reasonings in your communication, and, and you know I wasn't any worse or any better than the people that I was associating with back then. My inability, however, to distinguish at that time in my life between information that I had been reading about and things that I had thought about as a result of what I was reading and listening to, and taking that those blocks of information and incorporating all of that into my life, that in relation to the authenticity of my truth, I had not recognized the observer of my higher self that was behind the thinker of my conversations yet at that time in my life, like most people. And then I had this experience that lasted a a long time that actually hasn't even gone away to this day, that I I believe it's just a large part of the awakening process that we're talking about, of higher consciousness. And it's this unction from within 
that makes itself known in your mind, and it notifies, well, it notifies me every single time that I say something that's not true, and it says, that's not true. You don't really believe that, do you? Well, most people that I've counseled with, Maggie, have told me over the years that they receive the same kind of uh, unction of higher consciousness, that they sense a feeling when they're about to do or say something that's wrong. And the uh, lighthouse of inner wisdom directs the one who looks within with a willingness to ask questions. There is an inner light of consciousness that is directing all people who purposefully meditate to journal outward their their inner truth. But, you know, do people always listen to their inner truth, even after they know it's there? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. Without the preparation of a meditative lifestyle like we're talking about, without determining that, you know what, I am willing to be a kinetic believer. I am willing to journal my, uh, my kinetic beliefs, my articles of faith. I am willing to be the, the designer and the blueprinter of my best life. And I'm going to create the, the, the constructs for that and to, and to cast down the false narrative that's had this stronghold on how I've been thinking about things. Then life begins to change for those who seek the enlightenment of their truth in this way mm-hmm. by uh, putting a demand on peace and joy and happiness and all of those things. Something that you taught me to do early on, and it's been so powerful, is that when you are going through a process where a, a part of you, a real identity part of you that you've been connected with, that you're allowing that to be burned off by truth, making sure that you're taking that opportunity because it's not easy. Those those moments are not easy and you're, you're really rising to the occasion when you're allowing that to happen and attaching that action of allowing that to be burned off to whatever you're believing for. It's just a huge opportunity to attach a very powerful action to the vision uh, that you're manifesting. That's great. You know, it's the, the same thing as a, looking at gratitude as an action, willingness as an action. It's an action of, I'm, I'm, I am willing to stand here forever, mm-hmm. so I'll never have to stand for long. I am going to be actively patient, intentionally occupying the presence of your moment is necessary to succeed in this life, to become your the highest version of yourself. Because of certain things that happen, may have happened in your past, until you become grateful for the moment that you're occupying, the space and the moment, present tense moment, it, it is the past that's taken up first place in your life. And it's living in you, and it's living through you. And if you identify with it, you identify with the past. And until you awaken by agreeing with your higher being, you'll maintain this victim identity which is just the belief that your past is more powerful than your present, which is the opposite of the truth that sets you free. It is the belief that other people and and what they did to you are responsible for who you are now, for your emotional pain, or for your inability to be your true self. And the truth is that the only creative power that there is, the only life source that can be accessed is contained within this moment right now and it is the power of kinetic immovable belief in the gratitude of your present moment and once you know that you also realize that you know what you're responsible for your inner space right now as it is nobody else is nobody else can ever be and now that you know your truth is under the constant attack of reasonings And now that you realize the abundant life that you were created for is under the assault of the ego, the question becomes, what are you going to do about it? Because it's your choice. You see, you can rely on the lies that you've been told, the lies that you've been telling, and and take all of the egoic reasonings at face value, and you end up imprisoning yourself with strife and fear and bitterness and regret and sickness and, and not enough. Or... You can build up your expectations upon your authentic truth by taking a stand on what has already been perfected by the perfect bias of creation and just agree with an unconditional love for yourself and for all others to build up your confidence and your desire for you to be the absolute best version of yourself, a child of light, 
one that is filled with love. And sure, you know, there are going to be battles, battles of delusional storytelling along the way. Shakespeare wrote in Measure for Measure, he said, for truth is truth to the end of reckoning. (laughs) There will be challenges to face and much to overcome in this life. But if you continue in the perfect law of truth, in the perfect law of freedom, in the perfect law of love, you're going to find that you're living your best life outward. And you will know the truth and the knowledge of the truth is the thing that will set you free. Well, let's work on some highest viewpoints here. Just say this. Say, I have more than enough gratitude. I have more than enough gratitude. For my highest self. For my highest self. Exactly like it is. Exactly like it is. And for all my needs to be met. And for all my needs to be met. I am filled with confidence. Mm, I'm filled with confidence. Overflowing with love. Overflowing with love. And I'm able to do all things. And I'm able to do all things. Through the power of perfected expectations. Through the power of perfected expectations. I am so grateful for my life. I'm so grateful for my life and for all the opportunities that I've been created for and for all the opportunities that I have been created for after all after all my authentic truth my authentic truth is aligned with my fun loving and happiest self it's aligned with my fun loving and happiest self I'm healthy I am healthy I am wealthy I am wealthy and the abundant source of all things and the abundant source of all things is it it's within me now it's within me now and this day this day is the best day of my life it's the best day Day of my life. And I'm rocking in it. And I'm rocking in it. <laughs> what a fun and truth-filled podcast this has been. It feels so good to be back here after a long weekend. And I just wanted to say hello to Karen. She's in Rome and she sent us the sweetest note this morning about just Karen. how the, the podcast has changed her life. And shoot us an email if you have a question or a comment for the podcast, kinetic belief at stephencanyon.com. You can always also find the, the journal that we chatted about quite a bit today at stephencanyon.com. And I think that's everything. I think so too. And <laughs> as always, sending out much love and light to all you KB creatives all around the world. Thanks as usual, Steve, for all the wisdom. Bye.